Welcome to Mariners Mojo, the heartbeat of baseball podcast brought to you by two lifelong Mariners fans talking all things Seattle Mariners. How's it going, Alex? Heart's beating. Almost time. I know opening day is just a few days away. Mariners roster is almost cut down to size. They're probably in the low 30s now. Somewhere in there? Yeah. They got, There's not a lot left. No, they pretty much have it pretty much nailed out. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's so be there. Yeah, you guys will hear this on Monday. Season starts on Thursday. We'll be there on Friday. Friday. I'm excited. This has got to be what? Like, probably the fifth or sixth time we've gone together in the last 10, 12 years, somewhere in there, right? Only about 10 years because you weren't even around for four of them. Yeah. Probably about 10, right? Is that why we went to that one in 2011? No, that was it. I must have came back for that one. Yeah, because you would have been... I was in the middle of it. I left in 09 and got back four years later. Oh, yeah, you did leave that late. I guess we even went a couple times during. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess we can kind of talk about that right away after Alex asks his trivia question because it's trivia time. Boom, 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 boom. Find it now. We need to get some kind of like sound for that. So when it's trivia time, we can play something. So it's not just us sounding dumb trying to figure out how to transition into it. I mean, I can come up with a sound. Is it appropriate sound? I haven't thought of it yet. But oh, okay. I guess I could make it appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, last week we had the team trivia question about naming the first round picks. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We got seven ish, seven or eight out of ten. Are you ready with the trivia question for this week? I am ready. All right. In what year did the Mariners announce their mascot? In what year did the Mariners announce? First mascot. Their first mascot. That was the thing I was going to ask. Their first mascot, huh? Oh, buddy. In what year did the Mariners announce their first mascot? Ooh, that's going to be tough. It's tough. and It's kind of tricky, yeah. I didn't think you'd actually get it. I was, it was Hold on. curious when I saw it. In what year did the Mariners announce their first mascot? Or in what year did Seattle announce their first mascot? Mariners announced debut of their first mascot. Okay. All right. That I, guess, makes I guess it has to be debut because they could have announced it the year before. Okay. So it's debut. Debut. In what year did the Mariners debut? Do, 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 do. Debut of their first mascot. Yeah. That's, yeah. These trivia questions are always like a little jumbly because we're trying to type them in but because we don't want to warn the other person of it yeah it's like this is the first time i've heard of it so now i have to think of it during the podcast just like you guys are it makes it kind of fun submitted from people from kids around seattle oh really that's where it came from 2500 kids submitted stuff for it nice that's awesome i heard i was like that's kind of a weird interesting trivia question i like that it's not But, like, that is a fun trivia question. And once you hear the question, like, you're like, oh, no, I do want to know that answer. I was like, oh, that's unique. Yeah. (laughs) So, really tough to guess. Yeah. We'll go back to, like, opening days coming up, opening weekend. We've been to a few of them. And Jeremy Hirschkorn was asking about it. Like, what kind of excitement do you feel compared to a normal game when you go there for opening weekend, like the buzz in the air, the anticipation expectation, like it's a little different, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, I don't know, playoff like when you're in the hunt, 
Not excite, that, not, yeah. they, they fit in the hunt. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. exciting. Like, oh, they could do it. Yeah, there is like the buzz of expectation. And if you've ever, it's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't been there, but it really is like there's a feeling in the air and you can tell just standing there like that it feels different. It's not like being in somewhere that's busy or has a lot of people. It truly does feel different against your skin, to your ears, even to your heart, like because you're a fan. You want them to be good. Mm-hmm. We've been to a bunch of them, I think. We were at the where Macklemore sang. We were at that yeah. one. That was probably the craziest one because of all the emotion that was there that night. Because mm-hmm. that, the, that was the knee house remembrance thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we, some of the other ones we've been to, like even a couple years ago, you still just feel the buzz in the air compared to a, like a July game where they're 42 and 44 or whatever. And there's 14,000 people there instead of what they hold 40 some thousand. Yeah. <laughs> and this time it'll be even smaller. With yeah. Just 9,000 9, people. Which is good for me. I don't like too many people. So. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope that, and I haven't seen anything against it, that they're still going to have the cantina area open, the center field plaza open. They're probably just going to have like spots on the ground. You have to stand here. You have to stand here. Maybe a certain number of people can come in. Yeah. Type of thing. I would think that since they've limited it to 9,000 people, they'll just let everybody in at the normal times. I'm not really sure how it's going to work. It's going to... In a way, I would think you'd want to let people in early because then you don't have lines outside. Yeah. 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 I guess we can watch Thursday and see how they do it. Yeah. I'm really excited. I think we are going to be able to feel excitement there, especially seeing some of the young guys out there. Yeah, a few of the young guys made the roster, so that's Yeah, some of the young guys made it. We have guys back, like Paxton, who we've talked about a lot, especially with, it's not just that it's Paxton. It's like, oh, is he going to be good? Because he seemed dominant so far. Yeah, coming off of last year where he was injured, or his velocity was down. Yes, his velocity was definitely down. And then he started working on new pitches. All right, I can't remember. I Heard it. He started working on his changeup or something else. Yeah. Last year, and then it turned out to be really good for him, and now his velocity's back up. I think that was him. Uh, that sounds right. Oh, uh, maybe. I think Dunn had something similar too. It was. I'm, but, I'm sticking with Paxton. I'm gonna say that. Sounds good. <laughs> Paxton has thrown eight and a third. He's given up one run. With lots of strikeouts. I was going to say, that's impressive. But 17 strikeouts? Like, I know it's spring training, but still. Like, yeah. He's, I think he's back to his old self. Was it Was it earlier today on the 28th or was it on the 27th that he pitched? Uh, yes. I don't know what they did today. Or they... Uh, I'm not sure. Four innings, nine strikeouts. Hmm. That sounds good. It almost doesn't matter <laughs> who you're facing. That's a dominant outing. Yeah. Unless you're major or you're pitching to high schoolers. And hopefully we get to see Paxton. We should. He should be the number two. Yeah. 
Because it does seem like they're going to go Marco, Paxton, yeah, Flexen. Yeah, get the righty in there. That's why. Sheffield and Kikuchi at 4-5. I don't know what order. Probably Kikuchi. Probably. Unless, see, I think you go with, who do you think goes deeper into games more consistently, Sheffield or Kikuchi? I think probably Kikuchi this year. So I would actually put Kikuchi fifth then. Because I would want to split Sheffield and Dunn up. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you don't want two guys who are probably, for a while at least, going only five innings. Two years younger yet, yeah. yeah. That's, and then that's true. putting that burden on the bullpen. Like you can't tell your bullpen, you shouldn't be telling your bullpen to expect at least eight innings over the next two games. Yeah. Right? I mean, it helps that Marco and Paxton at the top and Flexen, those guys. They should get six at yeah. least every game. I do like that they're going left, left, right, left, left, right, which is why Flexen's three and Dunn is six. And probably why, I don't know, probably why, but it's the reason why he made it. Why Dunn made it? Over. Come on, let's see you do it. I, no, told, you how, I, I told you how to say it. <laughs> I forgot already. Oh. Margevichus. Grievous, got it. Yeah. Grievous. Yeah, I heard a good interview with Margevichus, because I always thought it was Margevichus. Margrievous. Yeah. But you're supposed to say it like more cabbages. So it's Margevichus. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Nice. Eh? Mar- Margrievous. Yeah. He's General Grievous. Got it. Yeah, That's how I'm going to think of it, and I'm never going to get it right again because of that. One of the two. Because that'll be easier for you. Yep. Yeah. It's stuck in there. It's never going to be right. So as we go through the pitching rotation, like kind of previewing the season how confident are you that or i guess here's the question is marco a number one or can he be an ace because there is a difference you have 30 number ones in baseball right you can really only have like 10 aces because they're a step above i don't know if he's ace but he's a strong number one he's a strong number one he's a top level number one okay. I guess that was the first question to ask. Is he a true number one? Is he one of the 30 best starting pitchers in baseball? I think so. Okay. I, he doesn't have the typical stuff, so he's never going to get the recognition yeah. because of that. But with his, his strikeout and inning ERA, low threes most of the time. Uh, at least FIPS low threes, yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. He's a strong level number one. Can he ever get to an ace? He can. See, I don't know if he can. He can't. He's got to be, I don't know, ridiculous though. Like, doesn't walk, pinpoint, does all the. Yeah, like a walk and a walk a game. Probably less. Yeah. With his, he's only throwing. Well, okay, a walk per nine, I mean. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Walk per nine. That's the thing. When a guy is only throwing 89, it makes it really hard to fall into that ace range because of how many perceived aces there are out there. When you got have guys like Bueller and DeGrom and Scherzer, like and you got to be low under 3 un, yeah, under 3 year right probably. Yeah, like 3 or lower, but these guys are striking also pumping out. like 97. You, but you got to be striking out over 9 in inning. Not a game. No, an inning. All right. <laughs> yes. Over one per inning, yeah. 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 
So, okay. So the next question I have for you then is what are the chances by the end of the year that Paxton is the number one pitcher on this team? Because his ceiling is higher than Marco's. Yes, his is. It's, he probably would, but I doubt he stays on the team the whole year. And that's a good point because they've talked about, and it would make sense that if the Mariners are 35 and 50 or whatever, if they're out of it, especially with no expanded playoffs, and Paxton's doing well. So he's got a 3-2 ARA and 11 Ks per nine, and he's going six innings every game. You're getting a pretty big haul back for him, and he's gone. You're getting, uh, Yeah, you're getting a, a decent to good haul for him, right? Like, you're not getting what they got for Chris Sale, obviously, because Sale was 25. Yeah, and had you Paxton's left. 32. Yeah, 32, and he's a one year rental. Yeah. But, yeah, you're still getting pretty good, although. You're getting a top 100 prospect. I don't know if you want. Yeah, you should begin around there. Yeah. But do you want him if you're trading for him? Oh, would you want to trade for Paxton? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you want to trade for any pitcher this year. Because of the six man and or Well, actually I guess that makes him more valuable because of the six man. Yeah. I was thinking more that most no one threw a lot last year, so most are gonna struggle down the end anyway. See, I don't believe in that at all, actually. Do you think they're gonna do better because of the rest? I don't think it makes a difference. All these guys still threw last year just because it wasn't in a game. They're still putting in work. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. They're like, oh, <laughs> they didn't throw. No, all these guys threw a ton still. They threw just as much as they normally would. Yeah, it's not high leverage situations, obviously. Yeah, it's a little different. You don't have the game situation. You don't have the game intensity that you're usually going to get. There's a big difference between bullpen session and a yeah. game session. Wasn't there a thing that came out last summer that like, a bunch of the all-stars were having a Sandlot game. I swear I remember hearing that. That a bunch of these high-level guys were all playing together somewhere, having <laughs> a game. It's like, there there was definitely stuff like that going on. And it wouldn't surprise me if the season goes on, if stories came out where it was like, yeah, and not Paxton because he was a free agent. But um, Marco. Yeah, Marco was throwing to Lewis and Seeger and some of these guys. In the offseason. Because they wanted to stay sharp. Yeah, that's true. And guess what? It's baseball. You're six feet apart still. It's fine. Yeah, I think I'm bought into the hype of the Indians thing. And I think you're swaying me that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, These guys are professionals with billion-dollar franchises behind them. There's no way that they would let them just meander through the offseason it's not like a high school baseball team where it's like we don't know what you did from august to march maybe although did you hear the gronk story about his offseason workouts he did a bunch in one day oh yeah <laughs> and then sent it all to the team like <laughs> as he was supposed to be doing them throughout the year or wearing different t-shirts during the workouts and so he did all his workouts in one day yeah and then it's like that's a little different because he's Gronk and he's like... Yes. Yeah. But guys can do stuff like that. And yeah. Like, it's like, well, you're only hurting yourself, but okay. Do whatever yeah. you want, I guess. So, Marco and Paxton at the top. And then Flexen coming over from Korea. I don't know. What do you expect out of him 
like what okay what should reasonable expectations be for flexing because gotta remember he hasn't mm. had a great major league career right he well he didn't get a lot of opportunities he was I don't, he had a kind of weird one with the Mets where he was he was up early yeah he was up at 22 with the Mets and then down and then up I don't know if he got injured I can't remember and then he left. And yeah. At 25, he left? Uh, after his age 24 season. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Because he's one of the guys who falls the day out. Because you know how we said if it's before July 1st? <laughs> he is July 1st. Uh, so this will be his year 26 season still. Oh, so, yeah, so he's still young and left early, which is usually not the way most. Usually they're 27, 28 when they leave. Yeah. Um, and I think Flexen has lost a ton of weight. He's down to like two, two fifteen to two twenty five after being at two sixty five his first year or two with the Mets. Hmm. Um, but is this going to be one of those things where you look back at it and it ends up being kind of obvious that hey, the guy who struggled left, lost weight, and figured it out, and came back approaching his prime instead of as a rookie, is doing well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you see with a lot of minor leagues, like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I got drafted. I'm a top prospect. And they don't, they, they rely on their natural gifts. And, yeah. And it's like, well, that's not quite enough to cut it all the way. And he's like, hmm, I need to lose some weight, get in shape, go somewhere else, figure it out. And then he yeah. comes back. And So... Over 4.25 or under 4.25 for an ERA? Oh, I, I know that's right in the range you were thinking, wasn't I was it? thinking he's probably right in there. I'm going to say just under. 4.25 to 4. So I'm going to go over, but it's because he gets shelled a couple times. He's going to have a couple games where it's like, well, he went three innings and gave up seven. But when you take those four or two or three games out, it's like, oh, he was like a three point seven ERA. That's yeah. That's my disclaimer for it. So then we'll go Kikuchi next because we'll Ooh. save Sheffield and Dunn for together. Okay. Another crafty lefty, right? Mm. Originally a crafty lefty. Original craft. Well, but you've been big on him because of the velo increase, right? Well, he got back to what he was in Japan. In Japan, his fastball set mid to upper 90s. His first year here, it dropped into the low 90s, and it it showed. He didn't have the stuff he did over there anymore. And then coming in the last year, he got it all back. Yep. And it it showed, not in his ERA, but in his uh, his FIP. Yeah, his FIP and his, um, like his stat casty type numbers were like average velo, spin rate, all those kind of things. Because I'm trying to get it to load right now, but it said 2019 his average um, fastball velocity was 92.5. Yes. In 2020 it was 95.0. It's two and a half miles an hour. That's a huge difference. Yes. 95 that puts you in like average fastball, right? That's the average. So he's so touching he's, 90s. Yeah. So he probably could hit 97, 98, right? Yeah, and for a lefty. Yeah. That's it's a couple extra. A lefty who throws 95 is a righty who throws 97. 
It's not loading. It says there's no internet now. So that's fun. <laughs> um, Forgot what I was going to say, but... Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Spin rate. Better than he was. Yes. Oh, I saw an article that he is a a dark horse Cy Young guy. That good? I didn't think he was that good. I was like, ooh, that's no. a bit high for me. But wow. It's like, you know what? A guy who's... If his velocity is even high, a little bit higher this year, up to 97, 96 average. That's crazy. A well, dark his, horse Cy Young? What was his FIP lap? It was 3.3 last year. 3.3. So, okay, here's the other question, though. I wouldn't say Cy Young. That's way, but I'm just okay. <laughs> Can a guy from a six-man rotation win the Cy Young? This year? Yes, yeah, so I doubt they keep it six all year. Yeah. I think they have it six now to get open it up so they can have more guys oh. viewing and keep the innings down on some of the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah, 3.3 FIP, uh, strikeout per inning, hits per nine were down. I mean, that's – it's a nice trend to see, especially with the velocity increase. Um, he's only 30 this year. It's not like he's old. He's at the back end of his prime, I guess. What's prime is the 27 to 30, I think. Yeah. 27 to 29. 28 to 30. I think it keeps changing, but yeah. Right in that range. Say 26 to 30, 31. Depending. Yeah. So he's still in his prime. Um, like, if he is holding that velocity, it's going to be awesome having him in the back half. Yeah, you don't see that much. And then you got the last two, the younger guys. Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn. Who are you more comfortable with this season, Sheffield or Dunn? Uh, probably Sheffield. He's been a little more experienced, a little more, I don't know. Don't hear Not as wild, I don't think. Uh, Dunn has had a really rough time with his uh, walks. Yeah, I think he got it figured out at the end of last year. Is that what it was? Or even last year. Yeah, but he still had a little bit of trouble in spring this year. Yeah. Walking guys. I think his stuff might be a little better now. Because like, I think you were right that his stuff has increased Yeah, this spring over last year. Yeah. I think they finally got him on a diet. He lost a bunch of weight. and That's always started helpful. Started eating healthy. And- yeah. Yeah, because I think you remember him saying something about, like, yeah, I can't go out and eat a couple double cheeseburgers anymore. Like, every day. Yes. That has to be a treat type thing, not a constant. Yeah, his velocity's up a couple. Yeah. So. Um, him and Sheffield are actually the same age. This will both be their tw- year 25 season. I thought Sheffield was a couple years older than Dunn. Um, but I guess, I don't know, probably just because Sheffield's been in the majors longer, I guess. Yeah, I think he's been a higher prospect because he's with the Yankees yeah. which is always the big thing <laughs> I mean, we got both these guys from the New York teams Dunn came over from the Mets yes. Sheffield came over from the Yankees and I guess the, sh- the question with Sheffield is he was ranked was it uh, like 19th 20th I think I have something on here about it yeah, he was. I did somewhere I don't remember exactly where it was um I definitely had something on here about it. Yeah, Sheffield was like a top 25 prospect, top 30 prospect a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Can he get back? Like, 
what are the chances he gets back to that? I always thought he was a little bit overrated. Yeah. Over for them. For what he is, I don't think he was I don't think he's that high. Cuz I don't think he's ace material. Yeah, I guess that's the the comp when you're seeing a guy in the top 25 of prospect rankings. It's like, well, these guys should be like franchise, well, maybe not franchise what's the word I'm looking for? Not changers really. They should affect your franchise in a positive way, I guess. Right? It's like I, he should be a number one. And I, I right now I don't see him as a number one. Yeah. Um, um, you could definitely see the difference with him last year. Because what was it? 2019, he struggled, right? 5.5 ERA, only 36 innings. But then last year with a 3.5 ERA and a 3.17 FIP. So the thing you're, we're talking about with these Mariners so far is FIP, so fielding independent pitching, which is talking about like average. So if you had average defense, average circumstances behind you. Mariners have a great defense now. So that should be more what they should end up with. Right. Because the last few years they've had not the best defense. No. Backups, injuries, below average, yeah, defensive replacements. They've had a few top level guys, yeah, but a lot of other places are like eh, that guy shouldn't be in the outfield. Yeah. Or, but even last year with Crawford and White, it's like, well, you shouldn't have been surprised to see Mariners ERAs dropping. You have two Gold Glovers in the infield, and not just two Gold Glovers, but maybe one of the best gloves anyone's ever seen at first base. You're going to hear me say it a lot because it's true with Evan White. Like, the glove's that good. It is. I don't think I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes down to it, I think you should feel pretty happy with the Mariners rotation. Even though it is six guys, they might not be the biggest names. But if they can, big disclaimer, if they can stay healthy with Paxton, if Kikuchi throws hard like he's supposed to, if Dunn keeps the weight off, that kind of stuff. Should be a pretty good rotation, right? I like the rotation. You got, I don't know, three, four guys that could be top level. Yeah. Top of the rotation guys. Even Dunn's supposed to be good. What was Dunn ranked in the farm system? Because he was ranked up there pretty high, wasn't he? Come on, I'm pointing at you for a reason, all right? Come on. I forgot the question. That was like a couple seconds ago. He was ranked 91 pre-19. So, yeah, top 100 is really nice to have out of him. So we're seeing tons of potential talent in the Mariners starting rotation. And I think it's going to help that the outfield has gotten younger and better at defense. Instead of just big guys that hit home runs. Yeah. And strike out a lot. Like yes. Athletic guys who play off of the yeah. that helps. And it's going to get even better once Kelnick comes up. Because Lewis should be in left. He should. He's in, he's great outfielder. I don't think he has the range. No. He's an average center fielder. Yes. But Kelnick's like an above average to great, supposedly, defensive center fielder. Yeah. Which makes Lewis back to his above average defense in left. Which is better. And then 
hopefully, probably by that point, what Jamel is above average defense and right. Yeah. I, or Hanniger. Hanniger still has average to above average, I think. He's still up there, yeah. Yeah. And he played it smart instead of crashing the walls. Yeah, like Lewis and Fraley both did. Yes. Luckily, it was minor for both of them. You see the difference between the guy who has a roster spot and the young guys trying to prove it? Yeah. Which is not the best. And it's tough because it could make or break that roster spot both ways for you. Like, well, he didn't hustle to that ball. I want to see that. Send him to AAA or AA for a bit. It's like, oh, what was he doing crashing into the wall? Doesn't he know we need him? Yes. Like, now he's hurt. Yeah, it's like I was watching the game the other day, and um, Andrew was chasing both the wall. I was like, oh, he's got it. And he, like, held up. I was like, why'd you hold? Oh, yeah, because it's spring training. We don't need you crashing the wall and getting hurt again. Yeah, because really, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you got it. You, you should have cut the ball. Yeah. I know it hurts the team look and the pitcher look, but yeah. the, the coaches and stuff see it better, than, and they know. So, with Hanniger, do you think he bats leadoff this year? I, I think he might do quite a bit of it. Yeah. He did in the past quite a bit. And then they were doing quite a bit yeah. <laughs> this spring training. Yeah. And he did it a decent amount. Was it last year, I think? Or no, Not last, last time he was healthy. Last time he was healthy. Was yeah, like, 2019. Um, I think it's good in two ways. Hanniger is like the veteran with enough power that pitchers still need to be careful with him. And then it takes the pressure off of Crawford and doesn't make him be the leadoff. Yeah. Because with the guy who you're trying to figure out if he can hit major league pitching or not, putting him at number two or eight or nine, because that's where he's going to be most likely is two, eight, or nine. That's a big load off of his plate. Especially how he's doing the spring. He wasn't hitting well. Is he not doing great? I don't have Crawford? Really. Yeah. No, he was uh, 138. Ooh, that's not... 360 on base. Oh, that's good. Great eye, but not hitting well. 12 walks and 5 hits. That's pretty funky. That's very odd. Didn't he have like 12 walks during the season last year? The oh, year before? I don't know. I don't, there's some... Oh, no, I'm thinking of like D. Gordon, who had oh, never yeah, had 12 yeah. walks in a season. <laughs> But I, I did hear an interesting stat of okay. about stolen bases for the Mariners. And that is? That last year, they led the league in stolen bases. In 2020? Yes. And then this spring, they were leading all of spring training in stolen bases. Really? Because Crawford and Moore and Trammell, right? Evan White's actually fast. He's not a fast first baseman. He's a fast baseball player. They just have a lot of guys that can do it, and they, they're they using them. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see, like, seven of the nine guys be able to steal bases. It's just an odd turn from what they were a few years ago. When it was Trumbo and Cruz and... Hit the home run, strike yeah. out. Like, huh, this team is fast. They're going to run. They're going to do stuff. It's a different team than they were. It's exciting. It's like, oh. I thought that was a weird, interesting fact. Yeah. So if we're building the lineup, do you go Hanniger Crawford at one two, or do you put Crawford down at eight nine? Um, let me see. Because I think I put Crawford 
two. Maybe not because I think he deserves to be in that spot, but because he's been in the majors long enough that it's time to see if he can do it. Yeah, he's probably two is probably not a bad choice for him. So at least give it the shot there. Yeah. So Hanniger Crawford. What about three, four, five though? Because that's the tough part. Well, imagine that Lewis is healthy and in center field, starting there, even though he might not be on Thursday. We'll go with the projected starting lineup. So Lewis, Lewis has got to be in that three, four, five range, right? Uh, I would think three. That's what I think too. It's kind of tough because the Mariners have a lot of good players. I think he fits in a lot of good, the four. Yeah. So is it Kyle Lewis and Kyle Seeger three four somewhere? Yeah, probably to start it. I think Seager's better five. But do you leave like Ty France and Dylan Moore down at five six because they don't have the experience? Like let them hit in the second inning usually, or kind of get the butterflies out. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah, you probably do with the start of the year. End of the year, like I'd probably yeah, it'll completely change this for yeah, change it all up. But yeah, I'd probably keep. Maybe I put France three. France three, Lewis four, Seeger five. Yeah. Okay. And then more. So it's more or, of a, or maybe more too. Oh, and then drop Crawford down to drop him down seven. Down. Somewhere down there, yeah. So for now, we'll go Hanniger Crawford. What? Uh, what'd you say? France Lewis Seeger? Yeah. Okay. So then Dylan Moore and Tramel at six and seven. Leave Evan White in the eight. Yeah, then you get Tom Murphy at nine. You got the big power at the end. Or do you put Murphy at seven and Tramel at nine to try and get like a little bit of speed down at nine to you restart the order? Maybe Tramel nine, yeah. That might okay. be a better way to go. I don't mind that because then. Tramel, who's your third outfielder, the one who's going to be out of the lineup the most often. When you have Fralian or whoever else, Marmaleos. Well, Marmaleos might be different, but yeah, he's he's a powerish. He's, yeah. Although he's hit pretty good, pretty yeah. wise with the average, but <laughs> but I guess why we kind of went through this was to show you that the Mariners have a lot of decent to good hitters who can hit throughout the lineup. Kind of anywhere besides three and four, really. Yeah, they could, they could probably move most of them into that spot. They don't have the traditional big power guy. Yeah, the because big speed guy. Yeah. If you extrapolate out all of these guys except for Crawford playing a full season, you would expect them all to hit between fifteen and twenty-five home runs. That's what they should all hit. Yeah, there's a few you could might hit more, but but not more than thirty, really. Not too much. I haven't well, I haven't seen yeah. it, so I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, but like if you were trying to be reasonable and predict, even if they hit good, like fifteen to twenty-five. So what they're missing is like the big power bat. Right now. Yeah, or the guy who's going to get on a ton. Like, well, you could see. I could see France doing it. Yeah, I guess he, France is the he one. He could be a high effort guy. So if France ends up hitting 285, 290, 
310 like Alex hopes. That's the hope. <laughs> they just kind of need that big power guy, I guess. Yeah. Lewis, hit, he's shown that he can hit 20-something. Yeah. Andrew's shown he can hit 20-something. Seager does every year. Seager hits 20-something every year. But are Seager and Hanniger both going to be gone? I think so. I mean, and that's the other thing is, so Tramel starting, the Mariners are going to be in a really tough spot if Tramel is doing well, and so is Hanniger come July. Because you're going to want to keep Lewis in there anyway because you know what he can do since he won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's unless he's doing awful, awful, and that's sending him down, which is... That would be very odd. Very odd and terrible, but... Which I don't think the Mariners would do. I don't know if they could because of the fan reaction. But if he's hitting one something. Oh, yeah. Oh, if he Zanino's it? Yes. Yeah. Well, let's imagine that he's hitting his normal 240-ish or whatever. Yes. Then where do you find a spot? Yeah. What do you, you have to trade Hanniger, right? He's the older one. He's older. You want to keep Tramel around because what if he does show that, hey, remember me? I was a top 35 prospect also. I might have been higher than that. Actually. Yeah. I think MLB had him. It might have been in the like low 20s. Like 20 or something? Yeah. Because remember, Kelnick should be coming up this summer. He should be up June, July. Yeah. And you have to have a place for him. So who are you getting rid of? Well, then you have the next problem. Julio? Julio. Julio could be next year, though, or September when the rosters increase. I know, but you're still going to have to find yeah. this one. That's the thing. That's too many. <laughs> Which even goes to... Like Tramel and Hanniger and Fraley. You have to get rid of all of them, hopefully. Right? The hope is that we have to get rid of all of them. Yeah. Because you want your outfield to be Kalnick in center, Lewis in left, and Julio in right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If it works out that way, it's going to be awesome. It's just don't get attached to Hanniger and Tramel. Because, like, best case scenario is. The Mariners get rid of them. Which stinks because I really like them. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I but, oh, well, then. You want the best possible, and they're probably not the best. Yeah. Um, is there anyone else in like the starting lineup of nine guys that we've gone through that you could see the Mariners getting rid of this season? Because I think there's only one, really. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, just because he's older. Uh, 30. I don't know what his, how many years or anything he has, but... Oh, on his contract? Yeah, but he's getting out there. Look it, it all depends on how... Um, Torrens and Raleigh? Well, yeah, Torrens and Raleigh. How they do. Uh, Murphy has ARB 2 and ARB 3 coming up. So he's unrestricted in 2024. He's got a couple of years. Yeah, so if Torrens is terrible, then you probably don't trade him. Yeah. Murphy is great. Not, not Murphy. Raleigh. Raleigh? Murphy. Murphy's Oakland's guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Raleigh. Raleigh, dominant, comes up dominant, then maybe you trade him. Yeah. But if, if Murphy hits like he did in 2019, like 260 played a pair, or 260 at bats and 18 homers. And a 273 average, 
That's all of a sudden one of the best five hitting catchers in baseball. And you possibly trade him to get what you can. Yeah. Because you don't see him being long-term. That's the thing. Because he's already old for a catcher. Especially in the Mariners. Unless his name is Molina, you don't. Yeah, he's still gunning people out at 38. I don't even know. (sighs) Unreal. Yeah. I don't know. Mariners should be in a pretty good position this year to at least be exciting and have storylines. It's not going to be like it has been for a couple years. Well, there's not a lot here. There's not a lot coming in. Team's just not great. It's like, well, this guy could be good. He could be exciting. And then they get here and like, yeah. Yeah. And that's more. All right. So we'll move on to some of the new minor league rules that came up. And this happened early on in March. So throughout the different levels of the minors, they're going to change some things around. So first we'll talk about that. They're doing them at different levels of the minors. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, I thought bad at first. So I was like, well, that's, that's going to kind of be confusing for the minor league guys jumping around. Yeah. You kind of brought something up that it it's going to be nice having them in all the different levels because then you can figure out which ones actually have an effect and what kind of effect they have. Because if you put them all in um, a ball, just straight a ball, you wouldn't know what was having a positive or negative effect on the ball. If it was robot umps and pickoffs and uh, base chain or base size changes and all these different things and shifting. You wouldn't know if it was having any effect. Yeah. But if you can put them across all the different levels, then you can pinpoint it. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. I kind of got, kind of like it, but I was like, oh. So do you want to start from the bottom and move up or from the top and move down to go over these rule changes? Start at the bottom. Okay. So <laughs> uh, in low A West, there's going to be timers in between pitches, inning breaks, and pitching changes. Beyond what is currently used in AAA and AA. Do you think it's good to really enforce time for pitching? Uh, yes, sometimes. I don't rem- I don't know what it actually is in the minors right now. Uh, I think it's supposed to be 20 seconds in between pitches. I feel like, yeah, it should be because some of them take ridiculously long yeah. time. It's like, come on, just go. But if it was you have 10 to 15 seconds from the time you catch the ball to step back on the rubber, like that should be the time, right? Or maybe it'd be kind of confusing to have two sets of time. Like you have 10 seconds to step on the rubber and 10 seconds to throw a pitch or whatever. Or maybe not 10 seconds to throw a pitch because that's not long enough. But you just have this amount of time to get on the rubber and then you can go from there. Because sometimes like you need to walk around the mound collect your breath, like collect your thoughts, and then step back up. Yeah, batters have the same tempo yeah. like Trace. Yeah. I don't, is it just it's 10 seconds, and once that time expires, both guys need to be on the rubber and in the box, and if one of them's not, it's a ball or a strike, whatever. Right? I think so. I've yeah. never had trouble. I mean, I'm not playing in the majors. I don't know, but I've never had trouble getting in the box and on the mountain on time. So low A southeast, I think this one's bigger. Some of the games are going to be using an automatic ball strike system. Controversial. I don't know if I like it. 
I torn. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's a coach. <laughs> She's very against it. I I think I see both sides of it. Where it would be nice to know what's a ball and a strike. That's part of it. It's kind of it's like yeah. I want to know I'll, if it's a strike. It's a strike. Then you don't get the bias of the ump like and a guy. That yeah. Are, which at the major league levels you shouldn't shouldn't see. I'm not saying you don't see. I'm saying you shouldn't see. But it. that ump sees the big top guy that always throws strikes. And, oh yeah, he's always yeah. throwing strikes. And, but on the other side of it is, it's kind of nice having to learn the ump as the game goes on. Yeah, that was her. It's part of the game. And having a catcher who knows how to catch should make a difference. Does your catcher catch the ball and always let it fall out of the zone? Are they good at snapping their wrist, snapping that glove into the zone and getting strikes called? Yes. Like, there should be a little mental part of it. It's baseball. 90% of the game is half mental. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. If you know who said that, make sure to message us or post on one of our posts and say who said it. Your trivia. Do you know who said it? Okay, good. Um, but then through low A across the whole thing, this is low A again. And this is one of the rules that I think is the most interesting. Pitches are limited to two step-offs or pickoff attempts per plate appearance. If a pitcher tries a third pickoff, the move is considered a balk. Unless... The runner successfully picked off. <laughs> that's where it gets super interesting, right? That's Yeah, that's an interesting one. That gets into the whole... Imagine even fat, like fast guys, anybody really. So you take your two and a half steps off the bag, right? Yeah. That's about what it is, isn't it? I'm trying to remember. Two to three. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Like you step off and then slide, slide or whatever. You know, those guys are going to be taking an extra one. Are you doing it to try and get in the pitcher's head? Try to get him to throw over? Yeah. Like, do you just take a giant lead and then lean hard and hope he's slow to the mount or slow to the plate? Because you can't step off. That's the other part. Step offs too. Wouldn't you be taking like four and a half steps instead and just leaning towards first base and daring him to throw over? Do the fake fake run. I hope he steps off on instinct. Yeah. It's like, oh, I gotcha. So they're doing this to kind of consider reducing the number of pickoffs or step offs for plate appearance. I never really thought it was too big of a problem. Yeah. I think occasionally... You see guys get try to get picked off like five or six times. Yeah, but then you hear it. Boo. Especially when Boo. it's home fans booing their own pitcher. <laughs> it's like, come on. You know you're just going to stop doing it. Yeah. And if you're in the pitcher's head that much, you have the base stolen already. Or you're giving the guy at that plate either a walk or a hit. Yeah, he's not watching you. He's yeah. on the... Um, I don't know if I like this next one, though. In high A, remember there's three different... A levels. Uh, high A, you have to disengage the rubber completely before throwing to any base. Um, Lefties can't pick people off at first base the same way anymore. No, that's the whole point of it, I guess. Yeah. Make it more even. That's, I don't know. That's part of the advantage of just being a lefty, I guess. But. Yeah. Uh, they said it happened in 2019. They had this in the Atlantic lead, and they saw a significant uptick in stolen bases. It was supposed to come into play last year, but it didn't, obviously. I, mean, I understand it because they don't enforce the rule they have anyway with lefties. Yeah. 
you think there should be like a 45 degree line on the ground? You could still manipulate it. Yeah, because you could throw your foot. Do you think you should pay some college intern like 25 grand to sit in the spot and look? And it's just like, no, he crossed my line of sight. Or can you do anything about it? Do you need to put like a camera up and have it relay into the the ump's ear? Where like it buzzes if it sees him go past that imaginary laser spot? Or do you like like the strike zone? Do you just deal with it because it's part of the game? And it kind of makes it fun. If you're good at it, manipulate it. Yeah, I right? guess. Uh, it's another one of those tough ones. I don't know. Because I like I would like it fair. Yeah. Because it's true. annoying for lefties to have that advantage. They already have an advantage at pitching anyway, usually. It's true. Well, here's one that you might feel about because of fairness, too. Uh, in double A, there will be limits about shifting. Uh, all players, all four players in the infield, must have their feet on the dirt during the play, completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. So you can be in on the grass, like to defend a bun but you can't be out on the grass. Like if it's a big slow hitter or shifting and putting a guy in the hole, which is the big one. Yes. I've jumped around a lot on this one. I used to think shift away. Yeah. Learn, learn to hit the other way. It's like, oh, that's actually a lot harder. Yeah. Is they're throwing 98. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, okay, maybe I should be a little lenient on the guys that aren't Mike Trout, the best baseball, the guys that can hit everywhere. Yeah. I don't like that they can't be in the outfield. I'm fine with two on each side. Okay. Go back as far as you want. So that was the other part is essentially. So they're gradual steps in seeing how it goes to see if you need to have two players on either side of second base to eliminating the big overshift, bringing the third baseman and putting him in short right field, which is what a lot of teams do. So you want, Guys can stand in their spots wherever they want, but they need to be in their spots, essentially. Is that what you're saying? You have to have two on each side of the field. See, I don't mind if you want to shift, but that guy has to be on the dirt. Because also, are you telling me, like, you want to play out of position and try and react to a Joey Gallo screaming line drive when you're on the dirt instead of 25 feet in the grass? I Okay, I guess if you're going to shift, you have to stay on the dirt. Yeah. That wouldn't be a bad way to, yeah. That that's what they mean. Like if you shift, you still have to be in the dirt. Oh, I thought it was saying like you No, the first part is all infielders have to be on the dirt wherever they are. Unless they're on the infield grass, like the inner part. So yeah, so even if they're not shifting? Yeah. So no matter what, you can't be on the outfield grass. See, I think normally, yes, I would say let them be in the outfield. Okay. If you got a guy that hits Big line drive. You yeah. want to stay a couple feet back from them. Yeah, like if it's not that there's a lot of guys like this anymore, but like Frank Thomas, Mo Vaughn types, where it's like, no, let's play back as far as we can. Yeah, he's going to scream one down the line at us. Yeah. And, um, and then we get to the AAA one. They're going to change the size of the base, hoping for more infield hits, more stolen bases. They're going from 15 by 15 to 18 by 18. I don't know about this one. I. I think it should probably be fine. I don't understand what would be. So I could see a lot more stolen bases because how often is a guy out by a couple inches on a stolen base? It's quite often, right? Yeah, I could see a few inches each direction, a little wider. 
Yeah, so he's going to be, it will be three inches about. It's like, yeah, it's, it's three inches for each base, but it's only half that distance because, you know, it goes both ways. Except for first base, I guess, because first base is still going to be on the line. So stealing second base will be, well, I guess stealing both bases is going to be four and a half inches closer. I guess, yeah, you get a little bit closer. So four and a half inches or so. It's probably, I think it's better. Yeah, I kind of like that one. The other reason is, like, maybe safety as well. Less guys getting their feet stepped on. Yeah, if you got a guy with a big foot who takes up the whole base. Yeah. Safer double plays, probably. Yeah, more room to grab it. Must yeah. It's easier to slide off the bag and not hit the runner, have the runner hit you, that kind of thing. I'm fine with trying that one. That one yeah. I have no trouble at all with. So. so those are all the rule changes that are being implemented across the minors this year. Uh, nothing in the majors, really, which is good, I guess. The majors how it is for now until these things are proven. Because I don't think that's what they need to do is change my major league rules with no uh, trial run on how it's going to do. Except for one. DH. Oh, yeah. Burning the DH all around. I'm tired of watching batters or pitchers bat. What was it? The average batting average for a pitcher was like 170-something or 130-something. Like, it's terrible. It's like every time you watch a National League game, it's like, well, pitcher's up, so hopefully this will get him out of the jam. And it does. Yeah. If you take out the top five hitting pitchers, I'm sure that average drops way down. Yeah, I want to say it is in like the 130s or something. It's it's the stupidest thing that they keep around. If you want your pitchers to bat, fine. Do it everywhere. I'd just say, no, you can bat if if they're that good. If they're Otani. Oh, yeah, just let them hit. Let them hit. Which you can do. You can do that. You don't have to put a DH in. That happened with Tampa... A couple years ago, they messed up their lineup, so they had to have the pitcher hit. It's like, okay, you can do that if you want to. You can just say pitcher hitting fourth because it's Otani or whatever. Yeah. He can DH. He can do whatever. Which, obviously, he can. Dude hit two 470-foot home runs in the same game. But I'm tired of of pitchers batting. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get rid of that. I'm tired of Bartol Colon batting. <laughs> Never. I want him to always bat. Uh, all right. So we'll finish off with the trivia question. So Alex asked. What did I ask? I hate that. that was hours ago. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, which year did the Mariner Moose debut? Uh. 1981. No. Am I low or high? You're low. So it's later. 1988. Low. 1992. High. 1990. Yes. And really, 1990. Yeah, I was like, really? They waited that long to come up with a mascot? That's crazy. So they were... 21 years? No. 79? 77. 77? So 13 years. 1990. Math. That's, that's why I'm here. That's a dear friend. Yeah. Wow. It's like, oh, that's interesting. They're in the 70s and wait till 90. To- yeah. And that was the thing. It's like, well, with our age, like we didn't know about the Mariners because we couldn't pay attention to baseball until the early 90s. So they had him by then. Yeah. So you have always known him. Yeah. Thought it was a weird mascot for Mariners, but. That part I really don't get, but whatever. 
it's cool. He's a cool mascot. Yeah. It's better than some. If it was some like creepy old fisherman, like the guy in the Simpsons. That'd be awesome. That would be an awesome. <laughs> but it'd be scary for little kids. Which would be awesome. You have a little kid now, Alex. Come on. Yeah. He's not that little anymore, but just about five yeah alright well I think that's gonna do it um, you should check us out on Anchor Apple Spotify Google uh, we have some Anchor support set up if you feel like supporting us and we got some merch if you're interested March, March. awesome t-shirts sweatshirts yeah yeah sweatshirts too if you want it yeah if you want it just let us know we can let you know how much it's gonna cost you can kind of tell us what kind of color you want you gotta order it, so yeah, take some time to order and make. And yeah, we have navy shirts coming in. Have navy on demand. Yeah, but if you want a different color, let us know. Until then, Mariners Mojo, the heartbeat of baseball. Boom. <laughs>